The sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith teach that music is a ladder for the soul. My name is Jack Gordon, and I'm host of Interfaith-ish. On this ongoing series of conversations that I'm calling Soul Ladder Music, I invite you to climb with me as we hear songs and stories from a diverse array of musicians who connect sound and spirit. One of the most powerful, soulful singers to enter the pop and jazz arena in the past decade is Rachel Price, from the band Lake Street Dive. An undeniable talent who's nimbly able to move between genres, Rachel and her band play across styles that range from blues to 80s era top 40, while she and her collaborator, the guitarist Vilri, also experiment with vintage jazz tunes on their own eponymous duet project. In our conversation, we discuss how Rachel's exposure to performing was an early influence on her spiritual life, and we explore how she's experienced sacred themes in secular pop music, and the power of bringing empathy into the songwriting process. Enjoy my conversation with one of our generation's great vocalists, Rachel Price. Nobody knows what I'm doing here And I ain't got a clue Messing around with these other fools When I'm not with you There's been so many When I've longed for your touch There's been so many days When our love was not enough Oh, leave me, leave me, just leave me Can't you see? Do you remember the first time that you were deeply moved by a piece of music, something that just really rocked you at a soul level? Hmm. I imagine it, it would have been in choir practice. I mm. started singing in choirs w- when I was really little that my dad conducted. And I think the act of group singing was probably the first time I, you know, shed a tear. My dad would take me on these Baha'i choir tours and I do remember being on stage at 10 singing Mm. a a piece you know next to my grandma and her taking my hand and us just like both weeping during during (laughs) the piece which I think is an experience anyone could have with any sort of piece if you're singing with voices next to you because it's a very and especially your grandma you yeah, know, that's yeah. so cool that it was, <laughs> you know, a three part intergenerational experience like that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So it was probably that. And and I still feel that way about group singing. It's just like, it's the best feeling in the world. 
Well, when we met, you were a student at the New England Conservatory, right? That was that's the name of the school. Yep, that's right. But you, you know, like you're saying, you'd already been singing in professional settings for years, touring with your your father. So, can you share a little bit about what what were those tours like? Where were you going, and and what were the type of performances that you were doing? Yeah, they were very interesting. Uh, the first one I, that I went on was a tour throughout the U.S. It was mostly in well in the South. And there was probably about 50 choir members. Mm. Um, all of us were Baha'is and we were singing a variety of musical styles, gospel, classical um, mm. pieces that my dad had written, uh, old sort of Christian spirituals and everything sort of in between. And later on, we mostly did tours in Europe. And those tours were, were, the choirs were huge, probably a hundred people. And it was mm. entirely international. People came from all over the world to be in the choir uh, for about two weeks. And we all rode around on a bus and we played in all different types of cities and every concert was completely different. And this was a, as like an adolescent or a teenager you were doing this? Yeah, the, the first one I went on, I was 11. And wow. this was, I did this probably from 11 through age 17. Amazing. Yeah. So I, I was pretty young and, and, and he had me doing solos when I was 12, 13 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Identified the talent early. <laughs> yeah, it's very much. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't shy at all. So I've never been shy about performing. Amazing. That's so cool. That's cool to be able to, uh, you know, to to recognize that gift and talent, just be able to own it. Be like, yeah, this is my thing entirely <laughs> yeah and then content wise and you know you're saying you're singing these different types of music were you performing mainly you know for Baha'i communities that you were visiting or were you in theaters what what was sort of motivating this this tour they I think that the audiences were mostly comprised of the Baha'i communities but it was an opportunity for the local communities to invite anyone uh that you know, seekers, friends, co-workers. Um, so it was also somewhat mixed. And I think oftentimes people were coming without any introduction to the faith. And so throughout the show, my dad would give mm. a sort of brief, um, you know, he would, he would introduce the faith to the crowd mm -hmm. by introducing the tenants and then talking about the, 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 pieces that we were singing. So oftentimes we were singing uh, the words of Baha'u'llah, the prophet of the Baha'i faith, the words of Abdu'l-Baha. And so uh, it was, yeah, it was somewhat of a teaching event, but it was done in a very um, sort of casual way. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Music can be such a beautiful teacher that way. I feel yeah. that way about, about gospel music. Actually, I remember being in Boston you know, I had a big chip on my shoulder about Christianity growing up and mm -hmm. um, and a friend took me to a a gospel concert that I think was at the Berkeley School of Music. And it just totally opened my eyes, you know, and I just I felt like all of this uh, resentment, like really f like melt away because yeah. the purity of the spirit was so strong. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, this is you know, this is what people mean when they're like when they're Christian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? When they're moved by Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, when you know, when I was in, in Boston, this is also a time when I was just learning about um the Baha'i faith for the first time and meeting all these young Baha'is like yourself who were who are really from my perspective, they were coming they were like 
a group of genuinely good kids that were pretty free from drama in part because they had this, you know, powerful um, faith that was a strong driver in their lives. And, you know, obviously now as I've gotten older, I know that that picture is a lot more complicated <laughs> than mm -hmm. that. And, you know, Baha'i <laughs> teens in college are stressed and deal with all the typical pressures that, that most teens do. But what, what were you going through at that time as a young adult in, in terms of your concept of your faith? And, you know, did you have any spiritual struggles that you were uh, dealing with as you were coming of age as an artist? Yeah, I, I, and I don't think that they've even really changed that much, the, the mm. same sort of spiritual struggles, which is um, being able to find, I, the, I, re, I relate to performing through the, what I feel is a spiritual communal experience of mm. catharsis. And while I know that every individual in the room, when I'm doing a show, might be relating to the song from a different way the group mm. experience of it i think is has a has a higher power a sort of attached to it mm. no matter what you believe which is why we love live music and for me that's how i've always connected to it and so i think you know the struggle is being present in that state and not being self-judgmental because that's not the point you don't want to get in your own way and allowing the experience to feel communal and not feeling like it's all about yourself, mm -hmm. you know, not retreating. So it's like, I, I grew up in so many like uh, circumstances of being in small group settings where people would be like, can you sing? Can you sing? Can you sing a prayer? Will you sing a song? Will you offer something? And feeling, um, being like, no, 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 I don't want to sing. Like, please, please don't make me like, don't, I don't want to do that. And oh, having uh -huh. to sort of get over myself and be like, well, it's mm. not really about me right now. It's about the offering of the experience for us all to have it together. And I'm just, mm. I'm just sort of like one aspect, I'm just offering one aspect of the experience. Um, and I, you know, I think that's what led me into being in a, a band like Lake Street Dive, which yeah. there's no set leader, you know, where we, we do everything together. We make all of our decisions together. We write all the songs, um, which works better for me because I, I was like, oh, I, I don't want to be a front and center person, even though I'm a lead singer in a band. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a complicated uh, uh, needle to thread. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to be so front and center. Okay, where's yeah, the microphone? <laughs> I want all the attention on me, but, <laughs> but please command the room. Yeah. <laughs>
Are there particular forms of music that you feel called to that are particularly moved when you're when you're singing songs in those styles because you you see like a, a certain resonance with with uh, tenants from the Baha'i faith? No, I'd say it could be any mm. genre. It could be any mm. type of music, any type of song. Uh, as long as there's a little bit of truth in the song, I mm. think you can you can find that sort of spiritual place. Yeah, which yeah. I've learned from, you know, being being in a band like Lake Street Dive, which is comprised of very different songwriters. Everyone's giving uh, everyone has a different way of approaching music and it all sort of funneling through my voice kind of have learned that it's just more about the one true thing that exists in the lyric. And it doesn't really matter if it's a rock tune or if it's a jazz song. It's it's just more about authenticity than anything. Mm -hmm. Is it a really collaborative experience when you all are writing songs, or do you, is it is it something that that um, for at least for the the singing part and the lyrics and so forth, are people coming mm -hmm. with that pretty fully formed? It really depends. I mean, over the years we've uh, we have had a more collaborative process. It mm. used to be more like someone would bring in a song and be like done it's finished here's the song and I would learn it and we would arrange it together but now we write together um, we finish finish each other song someone has an idea and they pass it on to somebody else and they say okay I can I can add on to this um, and most of that is just from the process of like getting over our own shyness of sharing our music mm. and sort of sharing the creative process. Cause it's very vulnerable to, to show someone an unfinished idea. So uh -huh. I think mostly for a long time, we were only showing each other the most completed songs because we didn't want anyone to hear our works in progress, but now we're very comfortable with that. That's good. It only took like a decade. Yeah, no, it took us, it took us 12 years so, <laughs> to write songs together. It's hilarious. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, when you're singing songs that somebody else has written, like you're saying, you know, you have that vulnerability. You're essentially inhabiting, right, the experience of somebody else, right? Just a, a lot mm -hmm. of times you're singing songs that, that somebody else has written. So how do you approach inhabiting the life of those characters and trying to translate that experience and so that it has that, that um, authenticity for you when you're singing it? Well, often related to an experience in my own life, hmm. uh, which is a beautiful thing about music. You know, so so often people will come up to us after shows and say, this song got me through a period of time. It was as if you wrote it for me. Mm -hmm. And I love right. hearing that. And that's such a great, cool thing about music is because you're like, well, I did it. I wrote it, you know. I, I was like, well, I know who wrote the song and I know it was a specific <laughs> experience of, of theirs. Yeah, yeah. But here we are all, all on this planet really having such similar experiences to one another, which is, you know, why music is like group therapy. You know, you hear the experiences of other people and you're like, oh, I had that experience. You know, oh, I'm not so alone in this world. Yeah. So, for example, if Bridget is is writing the lyrics to a song that's based on her experience, and then you are the mouthpiece for that, right? And you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're presenting it as if it's your lived experience, yeah. you know, in performance. And then the audience is receiving it and saying, oh, I know what Rachel's going through. You know, I've been there. 
And yet yeah. there's like this three-way connection that's happening back and forth. That's yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's it's a, I mean it's a beautiful thing and it's a very trusting thing as well. I mean I mm. often often think to myself how lucky I am to have these songwriters entrust me with, you know, interpreting their their feelings, you know. Have you ever had a um a song that that one of your bandmates has has brought to you that you've really struggled with uh resonating? Can you yeah. tell talk about that experience a little bit? Yeah. Um yeah, there was there was this one song actually and, I, and I'm I'll I'm I'm bringing it up because it had such a nice arc inside me emotionally, which is I heard the song and I didn't like it at all. Mm. Um it was a song that our our drummer wrote and I love the song now, so I'm not saying, you know, I I can <laughs> talk about it in this way. <laughs> but Mike Hallabies wrote the song and I just like I didn't relate to the message at all. And I was like, I don't get what this song I don't I don't wanna you know, I don't relate to singing it. And we we tweaked the arrangement and we changed one lyric. We changed, I was like, there's one lyric that mm. I just, I can't sing it. It doesn't feel, it's it's not going to come out of me authentically. And it was like, just that one little tweak all of a sudden like opened up the whole song to me. And then I like saw the character and then I understood how how it related to so many things, so many relationships in life. And it was cool. It's like, you know, we're, we're all limited in our, in our ways. So Mm. it taught me the lesson of, of my own limitations in that moment of of not really getting the song and thinking to myself, like, well, I shouldn't, I don't want to do it. You know, Mm. I don't want to do this thing. And it's kind of like someone telling you a story about themselves and being like, I don't really want to empathize with you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> not a great uh, <laughs> place to find yourself in. Yeah, exactly. And then, I and don't choose empathy. This, all of a sudden you feel this empathy and you're like, oh, I see. I was sort of <laughs> blocking myself from the experience. And now it's one of my, it's one of my favorite songs to sing on our set. Like we've, it was on our last record and we've been, we've been playing it every night. And it's, I mean, it's so fun to sing. Which song was that one? It's called Sarah. This is the last time I will talk about you I will say your name I will play your game Sarah, you can be
Let's talk about some of the songs that you uh, shared as being having uh, a certain spiritual meaning for you. You put on your list Sister Rosetta Tharp's uh, Stretch Out. And this song was uh, recorded in 1947. It actually features another Price, uh, the mm-hmm. Sam Price trio backing up uh, Rosetta Tharp. Um, and she was a crossover artist who was among the first to sh- to uh, bring gospel to an RB and rock and roll audience. So how did, how did you encounter this song and what does it mean to you? I encountered this song three years ago from around right now because I was preparing for a concert that got canceled because it was about to happen um, it was oh, okay. March 2020. Uh-huh. And uh, I was singing on this variety radio show called Live From Here. And hmm. uh, it was a part of the segment, I think, for birthdays is, is what I think. There was usually a segment where it was like people's birthdays that day and uh-huh. you would sing a song. Uh-huh. And so it was, the show was going to be on Sister Rosetta Tharp's birthday and they suggested this song. And so I started to learn it and was, first of all, I was very intimidated at the idea of interpreting one of her songs because she's one of the like most spiritual, spiritual, like, well-known regarded gospel singers of all time mm. uh and i was like really should, <laughs> should i be doing this uh-huh. <laughs> um and i never ended up performing it but i ended up spending you know a week learning every single aspect of how she wow. sang the song so i just wow. got very attached to it mm. and i loved the lyrics and i learned a lot about singing just in that one week just just learning this one recording of hers and I was like, oh, I think I understand a lot more about how to sing uh, a spiritual or gospel music than I did before, just from this one thing. So imagine if I'd like spent, you know, a year studying all of her recordings. Yeah. Um, but, and since then, it's been a song that I just, I sing for myself when mm-hmm. I sit down to pray or meditate. I, I sing this song now and I love it. Yeah. 
Even though you had that hesitation, you you sang a lot of gospel in the choirs uh, as a youth, yeah? I did, yeah. A Baha'i composer named Van Gilmer would often be on the choir trips with us, and he wrote original gospel musics with Baha'i prayers as the words. And so that was my introduction. And, and Van Gilmer is absolutely raised and completely immersed in the tradition of gospel. So I sort of learned it from him. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the other songs that you put on here was the staple singers, I'm Just Another Soldier, uh, obviously another legend from the uh, the gospel and R&B tradition, uh, about a generation later than Rosetta Tharp. This is a, a group that was also one of these seminal crossover groups that blended sacred music with secular audiences. Mm-hmm. And how do you resonate with that those ideas of of that tension between what is sacred and what is secular when it comes to music well first of all i think it's really really hard to do and i think it's like incredible when you can and so the staple Mm. singers are such a good example of uh, a group that's was able to to write you know in a way not not vague but what's sort of broad broadly present these ideas of love and spirituality in a way that were not didn't feel tied or rooted to a specific religion they weren't were hitting songs. you over the head with the blood of jesus basically yeah yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> and uh and so you know lake street dive has actually been talking about this sort of this subject a lot like how to write inspiring songs how to write Mm. songs about that uh, that inspire change or about problems in the world in a way that feel truthful and don't feel vague you know there's this thing and it's i think i we learned this song just another soldier uh for a it was a mavis staples tribute show Mm. and um, but performed it after, after that ever since, because it was so joyous for us to perform. And it's like the song, uh, is clearly rooted in gospel music, but it's such a simple message just saying, I'm just another soldier in the army of love. So it's, it's, it's just like, I'm just one person. And if I just do my one, my part if everyone does that, then it will actually change the world. And it is actually a profound, you know, it's a profound message that um, I'm always struck by when, when I'm singing it. And it's so hard to write a song like that. Yeah. You know, that has such, it's specific and it's broad. Yeah. I don't know. It's um, right. It's, it's a, it's, I think it's going to be a lifelong pursuit of everyone in Lake Street Dive to sort of see if, you know, because we, we write a lot of breakup songs and a lot of very specific songs, a lot of character songs, story songs, but we all are, are very interested in this idea of songs that sort of um, speak to, to some type of change, positive change. Me a 
Well, it seems like you you took a a, a stab at it uh, with is it making do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you you're writing to this current generation. It sounds like, and it's you know it's doing it in like a wry and kind of ironic, tongue in cheek, you know, sort of way, but. Which is, I think, a pr- appropriate because that, that's sometimes the yeah. way it seems like characteristic of our you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> communicate with each other. Speaking of authenticity and 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 vulnerability and such, um, but yeah, but it, it it felt like it was it it stood out because it it did have such a different tack of it of it really trying to to get at this feeling of like life sucks right now and it doesn't Mm -hmm. it doesn't suck just because you know i just broke up with somebody or whatever but because the whole world is having this experience like this generational experience of Mm -hmm. suckiness (laughs) yeah yeah and i i when i first heard the song i was like "Ooh, that's mike calabrese wrote that song and i was like well that's a cutting and astute uh commentary on how we're sort of all responding to the the climate changing and Mm -hmm. the lack of response but you know the the chorus of the song is when you're making do with what you've got and he actually intend intended it to be a message of hope Mm. a hopeful message to say like well you just in the end you just have to make do with what you've got so just look at what is here Look at yeah. what's possible to do and just do that. Yeah. Don't get don't get so overwhelmed that you do nothing or you ignore the situation. Um and so it's like this message of hope and also this, you know, but also like very clearly expressing like the heaviness that one might feel if they think about our planet dying, you know. Yeah. <laughs> generation Merry Christmas You're working harder than ever now in the coffee sex You know Colombia and Kenya got too damn hot and I am making do with what you Does it feel like it's something that you have to be intentional about in in the art that you're creating, particularly as a group that's, you know, not not seen probably as as like a really message heavy 
group, you know? Are you, are you just sort of putting your feet in it carefully, or do you feel like the next record is just going to be, you know, you're just going to be Rage Against the Machine on the next record, <laughs> come at it in a very heavy way? I think we'll, I mean, I think we'll always have songs just that are, as I was saying, like these small moments of a personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's also a very big thing to do. It's just, is express express these small things. But uh, so I think we'll always have both on our mm-hmm. on our records. Um, uh, but, you know, as, as we get older, I think we're all just a little less uh, interested in breakup songs. We're like, how many can we write? Um, mm. Which is fine because we're, we're still listening to them and we still want people to write them. It's just you, you have to write what feels truthful to you. And I think making do such a perfect uh, example because it really like when I heard it, I was like, well, that's just truthful. Like, I just know Mike. Mm-hmm. I know that he's waking up with a crushing uh, devastation about the planet. And I just like that's just what he's dealing with. It's mm. not it was it didn't really come out of a like, oh, we should write a song. Addressing the, yeah. you know, the climate changing. I was just like, that's just that's his, what he's going through. And it was the same with um, Bridget wrote a song called being a woman, which, you know, says some things about right. the ongoing inequality of, of women in this, in our society. And yeah, I mean, it's like, we're thinking about this stuff, you know, we, we notice it. Being a woman is a full time job. I wake up in the morning and I punch the clock And people tell me take it easy But they don't say to stop Being a woman is a full-time job Being a woman is a full-time job Being a woman is a full-time job And I work all day And I work all night about a group that has done such an incredible job um, creating songs that capture those specific moments as well as songs that are are really you know anthemic and a and a and universally loved and a call to really examine our society is is obviously the Beatles 
and I hear a lot of the Beatles and, and, you know, in the way that your song construction is done with long, with Lake street dive, um, some of the change-ups that happen and the rhythms and the harmonies and everything. Um, and you put this song on here uh, on your list by George Harrison. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't it a pity? Um, which in contrast to the other songs you shared, you know, is a very melancholy one. It's, it, yeah. it is actually about a breakup, you yeah. know, in part the breakup of his band, but you know, it is, it's about, it's, it, it, it's so reflective and, and meditative. And I, I wondered what you hear when you listen to that song. I think a lot of people hear that song is very negative, you know, mm. of, of George Harrison expressing, uh, you know, his sadness and maybe even his anger towards the their breakup the Beatles breakup I've always heard it as like extremely beautiful and kind Mm. um just sort of expressing the sadness in a in a very gentle way that they reached a point where they couldn't function any longer with each other and I I don't know I, I think I just always found that extremely honest and beautiful and it's and that's why I, I afterwards I was like, why did I include "Isn't It a Pity"? Everyone, <laughs> thinks, everyone thinks that song is so sad, which I only realized sort of after the fact. I I always thought it was a beautiful expression of of George's empathy for mm-hmm. everyone in the band, even though I'm sure he was hurt, uh, just as anyone would be if a band was breaking up and had spent that much time making that much. In- incredible creative work with each other. Talk to me about the, the the spirituality that you find in in George Harrison's music. Um, I mean, I yeah, I think 
the whole record, All Things Must Pass, is just like a, yeah, I, I, I see it as like a deeply uh, painful and like, like a, through the pain, you reach, a, you reach more enlightenment, sort mm -hmm. of going through the fire. Um, and I think it's such a beautiful record because he's clearly dealing with the, the pain of the, this band breaking up and, and what they did with each other. And he's, he's just expressing it in all these angles and all these ways. And I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the earnestness of the record, I think, is, is amazing, like to just sort of lay it all out there. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I feel when I listen to like George Harrison, his his solo music is just that he's a he's a very honest, sincere person. Hmm. Think thinking about those those band dynamics, what what is the experience of touring uh with your band? Is it typically business and chaos from beginning to end, or do you find that you can find moments for for like a personal spiritual practice while you're on tour? Um, I, mostly the latter, uh, we're, we're a very, uh, wellness focused band and have only gotten more so as we've, That's great. as we've, started, as we've gotten older and, uh, actually on this last tour, we, we meditated as a group almost every day before the show, Amazing. um, before we did our warm ups, which is, was really nice. And it wasn't guided in any specific way so everyone could kind of meditate in their own in way but we would do it together and then would sometimes talk about what each other experiences during their meditation bridget shared that she loves to do these sort of gratitude meditations where she just goes through uh everyone in her life that she loves and mm. just gives them gratitude <laughs> yeah yeah just like thanks them for being who they are and i was like oh that's that's it was just now that i know that that's how she's spending 20 minutes before the show <laughs> going through and, and thinking about everyone in her life and um mike calabrese our drummer is um very into zen buddhism and has taught us a lot about that about what he's read and um meditation has helped him a lot so yeah, no, we 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 all find a lot of times to uh, to take care of ourselves. For me, it's long walks. I go on a lot of long walks on tour. It's mm. a great way to spend the afternoon while you're you're waiting for the show to happen. And yeah, it's that helps me just sort of stay in a in a more of a flow space and not get stressed out. Mm -hmm. is, is so you're saying for that meditative time is that what you're doing you're going for walks or is that also mm -hmm. in that shared space both both yeah my sort of solo meditation is generally on a on a long walk mm -hmm. um and then but it was also nice to sort of incorporate it as a group activity mm -hmm. yeah beyond beyond music is there something that you find as a a, a particular expression of your Baha'i faith that that is a a, a daily practice also? Mm. Um, mostly just finding the space to to do it every day and on tour it's like I'll be in a different place and sometimes it's you know it, I'll take I'll close the green room door for 30 seconds and say mm. a prayer a lot of times I do it at night in my mm. in my head as I'm falling asleep in the bunk on, on in my because that's um, all the space you've got <laughs> yeah exactly you don't have a lot of, of personal space i've actually yeah 
I've, I've just sort of taken to laying down and then I, in my head, I recite certain prayers um, over and over again. It also, it helps me fall asleep, but yeah, you realize that you sort of take the, take the time and the space where you can, because you don't always have it. But, you know, I also have this experience of singing on stage every night, which for me is very, uh, it's very rewarding as like a, mm. you know, a spiritual practice. I think that's a, such an amazing thing to be able to have the main thing that you're doing also be the thing that feeds your soul, you know, to mm -hmm. have it, have it wash uh, back over you just as, you know, those, the songs and the experience of making music is, um, I imagine, you know, for you all as a group that, you know, the energy that, that you're giving out to the audience, you know, the energy that they're giving back to you, um, mm -hmm. that that can be a really, you know, edifying experience. Oh yeah. It's, it's wonderful. It's, it's a true, it's, I'm, I'm so grateful that it's my life. <laughs> <laughs> um you so you're you're about to have a baby That's and right, yeah. have you had any thought uh to the first songs that you're gonna play when they're born i have actually it's funny i was thinking the other i was listening to, i was listening my my husband taylor is a wonderful singer and songwriter and i was listening to a song that he wrote the other day mm. um and <laughs> In my head, I was like, oh, I think this is the song that I want to be playing when the baby's born. I think this is what I want her to hear. And then I was like, maybe that's weird for him. I should ask him if he wants, <laughs> if he wants to hear a recording of his own voice. But um, I've thought about it a little bit. But I also um, think that I might want my mom to read a, a prayer as soon as, as soon as she's out, you know, have some silence and have her just recite something and i think that's kind of nice too to have her hear her grandma's voice oh that's when great she comes out <laughs> are there songs that you you already enjoy singing to your baby yeah yeah there's some there's some uh sort of old old sort of jazz songs that i like to 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 sing and like and i love to think about when i well when i'll sort of sing her to sleep with them but um we're, we're just about to, you know, go into our full nesting phase. We have about four weeks left, give or take. Um, mm. And I was, I was sort of hoping that Taylor and I might write a couple lullabies. Oh, her. that's so great. That's that great. Can, yeah. Cause I think we're pretty, pretty keen on giving her tiny concerts every night. <laughs> <laughs> Best seat in the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna grow up not not even understanding like oh man i don't want to go to the grammys again i don't yeah. want to <laughs> that's what i hope i hope she's over it she's just like oh singing songs it's just so normal but yeah i i stayed with some friends recently that were both incredible they are both incredible opera singers and they have a two-year-old boy and every night i got to hear from the bedroom them going in and just mm. singing the most beautiful opera songs for their son and i was like i gotta do that i mean i won't be on that level but i was like it's, it's gotta be songs. I, think, I think you've earned the right to be pretty close i think you're <laughs> you're doing all right rachel yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i was like it's gotta be songs every night because i don't know that seems that's, that seems like a pretty nice way to 
spend the first few years of your life. Yeah, yeah. Are are there songs by other people um, that you um, really want to uh, make sure that that uh, your kid knows that this is this is what music is? Yeah. Oh gosh, what great question. Yeah, I mean, jazz tunes. You know, the Beatles. Uh, what are some jazz every, tunes every, that, that, mm. that you really keen well, on? The song that I lo- one of my favorite songs in the world is a song called Goodnight My Love, which I learned from uh, an Ella Fitzgerald recording. She recorded it when she was maybe 18 or 19. Mm. Um, it's a young Ella Fitzgerald and it's one of my favorite recordings. Anyone listening to this, go listen to Ella singing Goodnight My Love. But also Shirley Temple sings it in a movie in a really cute scene where she's going to bed and her her dad in the movie is singing it to her. They sing it back and forth and it will make you cry if you watch it. Um, and Vil, uh, the jazz project that I have with this guitar player and songwriter named Vilri, um, we've been singing that song together since we started playing music. Mm. And so I, I, of, I often think about singing that song to her. The tired old moon is descending Sleep tight, my love My moment with you is now ending It was so heavenly Holding you close to me It would be heavenly To hold you again in a dream The stars Promise to meet us tomorrow Till then, my love How weary the new day will seem But for the present, dear We'll have to part Good night, my love Sleep tight, my love Remember The name for this series, which I'm calling Soul Ladder Music, comes from this quote that's from the Baha'i writings, that God has made music as a ladder for our souls. And I wanted to ask you, obviously you've got a little bit of an inside track since (laughs) being being a fellow Baha'i, but what is this idea that that God has made music as, as a ladder for our souls? What does that mean to you? What has it meant to you in your life? For me, it's, it's, it's meant that it's a, it's a very direct pathway to Hmm. tapping into your spiritual self. And that's when you were saying that you had those, you had complicated feelings about Christianity, and then you went to a gospel music concert and it com- you completely understood mm. that I think that's it. It's, it's direct. It's the, it's a direct communication mm. with something higher. And uh, I think for anyone, no matter what, no matter how they relate to a, a, a higher or a mysterious or an unknowable sort of 
uh, power in this world, I think people understand that it's a source of connection, um, like immediate connection. Yeah. And it's it will immediately connect you to yourself. And I really think that singing in so many ways is like really the direct mm. way because there's something about the vibration of the voice inside of your body that puts you in, in like a vibration with like the planet and the universe. <laughs> so yeah, it's really just what, when I hear that quote, like a ladder, I'm like, oh yeah, it's just, that's it. The road is clear. Like you're like, it's that way. That's the direction. Wow. wow. And you, you just, you climb up it. Has the, the meaning of that quote, has it changed or, or your understanding of it evolved as you've grown, particularly as an artist? I don't think the meaning has really changed. I just think the understanding of it has deepened Yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Just gets, gets deeper. As you've, as you've gotten older, as you've had more experience creating music, producing music, recording other people's music as well, what that, what is that definition of, of what spiritual music means to you today? I think, you know what, you know what it makes me think of is something that we say in the Baha'i faith, uh, which is that service is prayer. Hmm. And so the, it's, it's what I've realized that it's less about the specific content necessarily um, of the song. It's more about the action of it is, is what to me is spiritual. It's just the doing of it. The catharsis hmm. is what connects me. Um, so whether I'm singing about, you know, someone's breakup or a, a funny song that's just like a story about something funny that happened, or anything really, it's it's the it's the action that is the act of of connecting to a higher power. <laughs> I would be listening to uh, Side Pony a lot differently now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great example. You're like, that song's about a hairstyle. <laughs> Rachel, this is so much fun. Thank you so much for for taking the time to catch up and and um, to explore some of your music. I, I um, you know, I feel like I've I've watched you from afar, you know, for all these years and everything. And so it's it's great to be able to to see you again, because I think that the the last time I saw you, Lake Street Dive was was playing like a house concert. And I don't know what, like 2009 or something. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Thank you so much. And good luck with the baby and the, the delivery you. and everything. And yeah. um, I wish you and your, your family lots of health and happiness in this thank new chapter. So Thanks. Thanks for making the climb with me this week on Soul Letter Music. To hear more of Rachel's songs, check out her numerous albums with Lake Street Dive and her other music project, Rachel and Villery, available everywhere you can find music. As always, I'll have links to all the songs in this episode in our show notes, and check out the Soul Ladder Music playlist on Spotify for a running list of all the music played during this series. Thanks to Jeff Philosopher for providing our theme music, and to associate producer Aiden Keyes. Keep tuning in to WOWD 94.3 FM Tacoma Radio for great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at tacomaradio.org. <laughs>